Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music-filled trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Since 1983, Eddie Trunk has been the voice for fans of rock, hard rock, and heavy metal. A best-selling author, host of TV's That Metal Show, and seven national radio shows, including Trunk Nation, daily on Sirius XM. Interesting. Eddie offers the world his newsmaking interviews, passionate analysis, honest commentary, and who knows what else. So welcome to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Welcome, everybody. It's Eddie Trunk. It's time now for another edition of the Eddie Trunk Podcast, which is new every Thursday, podcastone.com or via iTunes, or I should say Apple Podcasts. iTunes, of course, is going away. <laughs> and uh, Apple Podcasts is where you can get this. And of course, like I said, podcastone.com. Thank you for checking it out each and every week. Thank you for listening. And wherever you are in the world, thank you for uh, your support. It is greatly appreciated. You know the deal. You can catch up with me on social media to keep up with what I have going on on a daily basis at Eddie Trunk, Twitter, Instagram, fan page on Facebook. EddieTrunk.com is the official online home. As I always say, Twitter, where I am most active with up to the second news, info, and updates on all of the various things I have going on. And those include... Uh, an upcoming run of speaking shows, which I have not done in a really long time, and I'm looking forward to it. You know, I do a, a radio show every day on Sirius XM 106 volume, which is where the interviews on this podcast originate. And basically what I do on that is talk about rock every single day with callers. And from time to time, I do it in a live setting at clubs and sometimes a band plays before or after me or both. And I used to do them all the time. I haven't done them in a long time. I usually end by doing some prizes and some stump the trunk with the audience. So I got three coming up and I hope you come out and join me for them. July 19th in New Jersey, my home state, Stanhope house, Stanhope, New Jersey. And then I will be in Janesville, Wisconsin, July 26th at the back bar and the third one that I have is in New Bedford, Massachusetts at the Vault Music Hall, September 6th. Those are all speaking Q&A shows. Come on out if you're in those areas. Links to buy tickets, more information on the homepage of eddytrunk.com. Also, coming up June 25th, I'm going to be back in Los Angeles for the next Trunk Nation LA Invasion. My live broadcast from the Rainbow Bar and Grill. They are totally free and open to the public, 6 to 8 p.m. Pacific time. It all goes down at the Rainbow. We have great guests that come by. You can watch the show. We even take some questions from the audience there. No ticket needed, no guest list. Live, 6 to 8 p.m. Pacific. The next one is this coming Tuesday, June 25th, at the Rainbow in Hollywood, California. And it will be broadcast live on Sirius XM Volume 106 from 6 to 8 p.m. Pacific, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Time. My show is live every day on Volume on Sirius XM from 2 to 4 Eastern. The replay is normally 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern, but when I do them live from the Rainbow and we get into the Pacific time zone, we flip that and do the live show in what is normally the replay window on that day only, which next time around, like I said, will be June 25th. Also, coming to Houston August 17th, Warehouse Live to host Tom Kiefer and his great band. Other stuff includes... Huntington Beach, California, September 28th and 29th, Sammy Hagar's High Tide Beach Party. I'll be hosting that. Manchester, Tennessee, 
October 11, 12, 13 for Exit 111 Festival, massive rock festival. And that leads into the Megadeth Cruise, Mega Cruise, which I will be on starting October 15 for about four nights, broadcasting my radio show from it as well. Uh, some sad news coming down this last week about Dave Mustaine's battle with throat cancer, wishing him a very, very speedy recovery and sending all the best vibes as all the metal fans certainly are for Dave Mustaine. And finally on the appearance schedule, November 2nd, Punta Cana, Dominican Republic, Breathless Spa and Resort, 80s in the sand. I'll be there for a few days of that hosting as well. All you need to know, like I said, is on the homepage of eddytrunk.com and be sure to follow on social media especially at Twitter, which I mentioned just a few minutes ago, or a few seconds ago, actually. So uh, we got a great interview. We got two great interviews for you this week. We will be spending some time in a little bit with Carmine Apice, a drum legend who's been on my show many, many, many times. And he will be uh, dropping by and spending a little time with us later in the podcast. But first up, Ingve Malmsteen, a guy that I've also known for a very long time and uh, a polarizing guy, to say the least, to a lot of people. And we'll get into that in just a second, talking to Ingve about his newly released blues record. Also, I want to give a big shout out to Mark Slaughter this week. I spent some time with Mark at a private event in Austin. And you guys, the, the music you hear at the start of this podcast is Mark Slaughter on guitar. He made that for me. And, uh, you know, I remind you about that from time to time. Mark's a great guy. we got a lot of history. And we had some fun time hanging out in uh, Austin at a private event uh, last week. And a big shout out to Mark. So here we go uh, with our, our interviews. We'll get to that in a second. Before we do, though, I want to tell you about Pluto TV. It's the leading free streaming television service. You can watch over 100 TV channels and thousands of movies on demand, all completely free. Pluto TV never asks for a credit card. You don't even need to sign up to watch for free. Pluto TV is the easy and completely legal way to watch your favorite TV shows and hit movies for free. So what are you waiting for? Never pay for TV again. Download Pluto TV. You can download Pluto TV for free on all your favorite devices today, including your iPhone. Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Apple TV, Smart TVs, PlayStation, and anywhere else you can stream, including Android phones as well. Anywhere you can stream free TV, Pluto TV, be sure to check it out and grab that app. So interviews, as I mentioned this week, include Carmine Apice and Ingve Malmsteen. We'll do Ingve first. We'll follow up with Carmine. Ingve called into my show to discuss his new blues album, which has been released recently. And it is uh, an interesting record because Ingve covers, he covers a, a bunch of classic blues songs, and then he covers some Deep Purple and some Hendrix and various different things. A little bit of a different trip for Ingve, and he's out there touring and uh, working this record right now. We'll talk to him first. And then we'll follow it up with Carmine Apice, who came in to talk about an album featuring a bunch of legendary guitar players that he recently reissued called Guitar Zeus. What's interesting about the Carmine conversation is we also talk about the most recently aborted Vinnie Vincent concerts, which Carmine was going to be a part of. Carmine also was, the same day he was a guest, Andrew Stockdale of the band Wolf Mother was coming in. There's a little crossover with him at the end. Maybe we'll feature Andrew on an upcoming podcast and bring you that interview. But remember, all my interviews and everything you hear on this show on this podcast, rather, comes from my daily show on Sirius XM Volume 106 called Trunk Nation. If you're in the U.S. or Canada, please join me daily to hear everything I have going on and get involved. It is a live show, and I welcome your involvement in it. So that's what's going on this week. Ingve followed by Carmine, and we get into all different sort of stuff with both of those artists. Hey, I, I just want to let you guys know, you know what I love? My cats. I've got two of them. And uh, what I love most about a cat in your life is the fact that they're, you know, totally different personalities. 
It really is complete. I have two cats. I had three. One sadly passed away, but they're completely different personalities. And I became a huge cat lover a number of years ago when I met my wife, actually, and she got me into having cats. So we don't we can't live without cats in our household. And uh, we love the two that we have. They really are uh, very special. But you know what I don't love and nobody in my family loves? That's cleaning up after our cats and their litter box which is why Arm & Hammer created new cloud control litter. There's no cloud of nasties when I scoop. It's 100% dust-free, free free of heavy perfumes, and it helps, uh, helps reduce airborne dander from scooping. I'm telling you right now, that's the worst thing, man. When you... If you have cats, you know you pour that litter in. It makes a cloud of dust. The cats kick it up. You find it on your curtains, on your floor, everywhere. This is 100% dust-free, and it helps reduce airborne dander, like I said, from scooping as well. So what happens in the litter uh, litter box stays in the litter box, and that's what you want. New cloud control cat litter by Arm & Hammer. More power to you. All right. We will come back. Start with... We'll start, I don't know what, I think I said the right order. Yeah, let's start with Ingve, and second we'll do Carmine on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. Coming up. The Eddie Trunk Podcast. Podcast One presents the Gigi Podcast with Rick Fox, Jace Hall, and Todd Roy. Log on to see the world behind the esports you love and find out what good game really means from the trio who's taken the business by storm. Whoopi literally goes, No, I agree with Rick. And she played Diablo. She plays Diablo. She plays Diablo. She's a gamer. gamer. Download new episodes of the Gigi Podcast every week on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. It's Eddie Trunk, and this is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Coming up in just a bit, Carmine Apiece talking Vinnie Vincent, talking about his new album, Guitar Zeus, and a whole lot more. But first, the maestro, Ingve Malmsteen, currently out there on tour and we talked to Ingve about his new album as well, which is a blues album, predominantly of covers, but some originals, which he also handles lead vocals on. So we take it away with Ingve Malmsteen, who called into my radio show on volume on Sirius XM a few weeks ago. Enjoy this. The one and only Mr. Ingve Malmsteen. Ingve, how are you, buddy? Hey, pal. How you doing? <laughs> Good, man. Been a little while. How's, are you in Miami now? It's, yeah, yeah. I'm actually have a small break. I have a big tour coming up in the states here next month. Um, you know, so uh, yeah, been touring a lot actually, but uh, taking a little break right now. You know, I just missed you because I know you played the pre-party for the Monsters of Rock cruise, and I wasn't there in time. I was on the cruise, but I didn't make it to the pre-party. But I know you played there right uh, at that. How did that go for you, man? It was pretty cool. You know, it was. It, it was outdoors, so it's like outdoor shows all a little funky. <laughs> you never know what it's gonna sound like, you know. But uh, it was fun. It was good. And it was local for you. You could that was a gig you could actually just drive to, right? Yeah, I just drove my car there and played and drove home. <laughs> Speaking of cars, I see some of the Ferraris in the in the uh, a great shot with one of the Ferraris here in the booklet to the to the upcoming CD CD that we're gonna talk about in a second. But how many are in the collection now, Ingve? How many? Uh, how many Ferraris are there uh, right now? I got five, five Ferraris. <laughs> what's What's your favorite? Five. The red one. They're all red, you know. So that's a joke, you know. It's just, <laughs> oh no, they're all red. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, they're all red. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think I, I had a, I had a couple of different colors before, but I think red is the right one, you know. What when you were when you were starting out as a kid and was was that the goal? I mean, when when you first got some money and had some success, was one of the first things you always wanted to do was to be able to buy a Ferrari. Well, yes and no because when I was in, when I grew up in Sweden, there wasn't really any driving going on then because you couldn't park anywhere in the city and you know it was you know it was expensive. So I was just a kid. When I came to America, though. As soon as I came to America, I realized you can't do anything without a car. You know what I mean? 
So I, I you know, I always liked sports cards. So I started out buying a lot of, you know, English sports cards and Jags and the always convertibles. And then one time in 1988, actually when I was moving down here, I used to drive by this big dealership that had just a whole row, you know. I said, shit, I mean, I just, I got to go in here. And so I just signed a big deal at them. So I just walked in. And that, from that day on, the, the bug, I had to, got, got the bug, you know. I can't help it. It's, I'm just completely crazy about it. You know? <laughs> yeah, because when I, uh, I, I have a, fr- a friend of mine, an old friend of mine that was uh, the guitar player in the band White Lion, Vito Brada, and his goal when he was younger, when he was starting out in music, was if he made enough money, his favorite thing was he wanted to say he owned, he owned a Lamborghini. So when he first made it and had his first hit single, he bought a Lamborghini, and it's the only thing he ever bought that I know of with his money. And he lives on Staten Island still to this day, and it just it sits in his garage, from what I understand, in Staten Island. He still has it, but that was like the one thing he dreamed of having if he had some successes in music. Wow, that's funny. <laughs> and and you had you had Ferraris, which you're you've got up to five of them now, so that's really cool. There's a yeah. there's a great shot of you with the Strat with. Like one, two, three, four of them that I can see in the yeah. When we did that photo shoot that day, that one was in the shop, you know. So <laughs> they they have to be looked after a lot, you know. But, and then uh, there's yeah, a shot, yeah, and then there, there's a shot in the booklet Ingve too with with um with a, a ton of strats behind you. Are those all actually your guitars? Yeah, yeah, that's only a few. I have like four times more than that. Oh my gosh! Are they all different yeah. in any way, or or what? What's the deal? Well, with all yeah, of them? I mean, you know, I have I have a lot of strats, but I also have that balls, I have flying V's, I have three thirty fives, I got basses, I got sitars, acoustic guitars, violins, cellos, I got hundreds of instruments. Uh, in fact, on my last album, I play all instruments myself. So that's just uh, another thing that I do. But uh, no, yeah, those are all my guitars. Yeah, sure. So how many guitars would you say you have total right now? You know, there's a saying, if you know how many you got, you don't have enough. Um, <laughs> but, but, but I, I don't actually, this a couple of hundred. I, I don't, I don't, I would just a rough estimate, a couple of hundred, something like this. I don't know the exact number. Where do you keep them? Do you have a, a do you keep them at your home or do you have a storage place? Somebody that t- takes care of them? How do you, how do you archive that and know and, and have them all in one safe place? Well, they're in my studio, you know. They're all over the place and all over the house, really. They're down here in the living room, they're, they're everywhere. Um, but uh, they're, mostly, they're mostly in the studio, you know, where I record, you know, where I record. And that they, they usually just stay in a big pile on their own. I use maybe two or three of them. I don't, I don't really use that many of them, you know what I mean? I mean, most of the guitars that I use live, all of the ones that we use live are the Ingrid Malmsteen Signature Model. Which, by the way, they come out of the 30th anniversary this year, which is very cool. Fenders come out with 30th anniversary, and mm-hmm. uh, um, and uh, in the album, I was on this last album. I was going, going I have I used a 59 or a 54. I should try. I should try a 62 here, and I tried them out. I said, I end up using a Malmsteen model, and um, so that's that's basically what I use. But you know, there was a time when I was collecting. I don't really collect them anymore. I just have a lot bunch of them. You know, what's your what's the most valuable one that you have? Well, it, it depends on how you see it because uh, I was offered a lot of money for the guitar that's on the front of the cover of the first album. I was offered, you know, I don't even want to say seven figures. It was a lot of money. Uh, but if if it was just a guitar that that's like you know out of you know a collector's guitar, it's probably the 1954 Strat I have because it's a March 54, which is the first month, first year they ever made a Stratocaster, and it's handmade. They only made eight guitars that month. So it's one of the eight first drafts ever made, ever, in the world. Wow. You know, March 54, yeah, I have one of those. I got it from a Swedish collector way back when he, he needed some money to buy, to build his car or something. So uh, I kind of like got off him, you know, he didn't want to get rid of it, but I said, I need to have this one because it's one of the first ever made, you know. So uh, it's, like, it's, it's, even, it's even older than, I think, it's, it, um, what's the guitar player in, uh, David Gilmore. He's got one of zero zero one. But that's newer than one I, than I have because the ones the one I have doesn't even have a serial number because they didn't do serial numbers the first four or five months, and um, it has that written with a pencil on the neck, you know, inside wow. the neck. Take the neck off in the, in the pocket, put a pencil where owl is. <laughs> it's crazy. It's handmade, you know. 
from Fender. They have a Pro Tab 67, which is very rare. I got a whole lot of them guitars. Gilmore actually just sold a bunch of his instruments and in his collection. He sold almost everything on auction. He just did a, I don't know if you heard about that, and that, and that Strat no. that he played Comfortably Numb and all that, he sold. Well, he, he I don't know if he sold it yet, but he's doing a big auction. I think there's some charity component to it, but he's, he's auctioning off most of his instruments. Wow. I don't think he needs the money. I think he's just doing it for charity, and I think he's doing it because he said he just doesn't really have a big emotional attachment to any of the instruments, and he's he's fine with uh, raising a bunch of money and just getting new ones. So I thought that was really interesting because some people have these attachments to these things, and others just like, yeah, well, I used it at that time. I'll I'll get another one. It's fine. It's it, I guess all musicians see that differently. Where they there's something like you said, like the Strat on the cover of your first record is you know a sacred thing and, and others just like oh yeah here it is you know it's, it's just a guitar <laughs> well it doesn't i don't play it myself but to, to, it seems to be very valuable to other people <laughs> so right. so i mean but the thing is though when i was younger i, I used to get really kind of like i would take one i have one guitar and i number that one and one another one two one three or four let's say four or five that would be like touring and recording guitars and they, they had a, I had to do the solos for this one. I had to do the rhythm tracks for this one and, and so on. And I, I felt very, I, then I became uncomfortable with that. So I decided I'm not doing that anymore. I'm just using factory guitars. And that's it. So basically when my tech gives me guitar on stage, I don't even know which one I'm playing. I, I don't even know. Cause oh, they, wow. They, they, I will have, no, because I realized that, you know, if, if, because let's say, for God forbid, something happens to the guitar, you, you can never get over it. You, you, psychologically, you won't be able to play, you know, because oh, I can't play it because it's not that guitar. And I and I remember I used to be like that years ago. Now, now I'm just like, hey, give me a strat and that's it, and I'm done, you know. Do you? But it has do, to be Yngwie, my model. Yeah. Right. Of course, Ingve. Do you still like when you're not on tour? If you're not recording in the studio or you're not on the road and you're just home with some time off, do you still play every day? Are you one of these guys, or do you like to get away from it a little bit? I do. Because I have a studio here, so what happens is that, and I just had the studio all redone. I had everything uh, upgraded and updated in the studio, so now I have that as my new toy. <laughs> so I go in there, like, and, and, and I have a guitar by the TV, you know, and I always sit in the middle. And I don't, I don't think I ever, I don't think a guy a day goes by where I don't play at all. I, it's not like I play hours and hours and hours and hours. I do. I like. I like to play tennis and drive around convertibles and stuff like that. So I do other things, but um, I do play. Yeah, but I, I wouldn't say. Of course, I'm not. I'm not like. Oh yes, it's uh, seven p. Seven a.m. Now I have to start playing. You know, it's not, I'm not, not. Not like that. I just whatever it feels like it, I just pick it up and I play. You know. No. Yeah. Well, speaking of playing, you did, you've got a new record coming out on March 29th, Ingve Malmsteen, Blue Lightning. And this one is interesting because it's a mix of some original material. And also you tackled, uh, a, you did a bunch of stuff, uh, rock songs or blues songs in, in, a, in a blues style. T- tell me a little bit about the idea for this one and how this came together. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because, well, well, you know, obviously most, most people have heard me and they know what I'm doing. They know that I've uh, do this neoclassical thing, and which is because I grew up in a family, classically trained family, both classically trained musicians and opera singers. And uh, when I first started playing, though, I started playing the blues. I was not interested in classical music. When I'm talking about, I'm seven years old now. I'm very, very, very young. But my first guitar was five. I started playing uh, really to start playing when I was seven. And so I was started learning from uh, John Mayland the Blues Breakers. And then my first Deep Purple album was a very bluesy album. Um, Fireball, first album I ever heard, and um, that that one had one of the songs I'm actually doing that on the new album. It's called Demon's Eye, which is like a blues, you know. And uh, so when I after that, I kind of like became very after this, and I played the what's called a pentatonic blues scale, five notes in one octave. I I became more interested in Paganini and Vivaldi and Tchaikovsky and Bach, of course, um, still used like the hard sound of the marshals and stuff like this, but with a tonality of, of Baroque classical music, which is what well, I still do that now. But so every time I would do a sound check or something like this, I would, I would break into the blues and sing, in the, sing the blues and play the blues. And then we go, hey, you should do a blues album, man. You should do a blues album. And I go, yeah, whatever. It never happened. But about a year ago, Ed from Mascot Records, he came to me and says, we want you to do a blues album. I'm like, I don't know about a blues album, but, you know, bluesy maybe. 
oh yeah, we, we want to pick some classic songs for you. And I said, well, why don't you let me pick the songs? And I write some songs too. Okay. You know, and if you like them, of course, then we use them, you know what I mean? And so, uh, yeah, so I was on tour with World of Fire, the album I did previously, World of Fire. And I was touring, and I would come home for a couple of days, and I would go to the studio and uh, put down a song or two, and then I go back on the road, and I go, and then I go back in. So about a year or so, this whole thing kept on going. And now it's going to be out next week, so, or is it a couple of days? I don't know exactly. But, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Um, well, Mark, yeah, it is. I, I thought it was really cool that you decided to do something like this it's it's a little different but it's still you but i think it's really cool the the original stuff mixed with the covers uh i i thought was a great idea and and hearing you i mean just to, to let people know some of the stuff you've done you you uh, that are covers you've got purple haze while my while my guitar gently weeps um Demon's Eye, like you said, from Purple, who Purple, I just toured with Deep Purple in Mexico for a few weeks a couple months ago, and they, they actually, they're actually doing that song in their set now. Get out that, of that, the, yeah, they're doing Demon's Eye every night. That's, that's like my favorite song they ever did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're doing it. So is that, for, as far as picking the covers, it was just, was it just stuff that you felt you could, you would do a good version of, or that was important to you, or that you personally were, those are just songs that you love? I mean, what was the criteria for deciding which covers you were going to do? It was a mix. Uh, some of the songs were like automatic. When, when the idea came, came, you know, when, when the, the idea came together to do this, it was some songs, oh yeah, I'm going to do that one, I'm going to do that one. And then other songs were more, you know, sort of like I heard them on the radio or whatever. I heard them before and I really liked the songs, but I never played them. I never sang them, whatever. So, so for instance, Demon's Eye, I really, I want to do that one. I want to do uh, Eric Clapton, uh, Forever Man, for instance. I've always loved that song, but I never played it. So I said, well, let's see how this works with the key, you know, with the vocals and stuff like that. So I put down, oh, I'll dig this. And same with While My Guitar Gently Weeps, which has a really crazy, you know, bridge section with, a, with a, the chord progression there. And then, um, uh, what else? Uh, you got yeah, Painted yeah, Black, Black on here. You got a couple of Stones yeah, songs. I, I, I love the Stones. I always love the Stones. I think, I think they're, like, they're, they're like, I, I don't know how to explain it, man. It doesn't get more real than that. That does that's that's not get more. That's like there's nothing fake about them. You know what I mean? And I, I just love that. With the, I think that, and they wrote some really good songs, you know. Mm-hmm. So I love them. Uh, what else did we do? Um, some Hendrix, of course. Yeah, Purple Haze, Smoke and Water. Um, what else? Yeah, Little Paint Bit of Black, Lover, Another Fox Stones Nate. one on you. Yeah, you got, yeah. yeah Double Jack Flash. I did. Yeah, I'm I did, just looking uh, through it. Some bonus tracks. Did you get the bonus version? The yep, album? yeah, I got the extra tracks on here. And then, of course, you've got original songs on here that you wrote, yeah. in, in, you know, more of an, in, a, in a blue style. So that, that was the idea to just kind of give, give some new stuff to your fans and then also interpretations of some of your favorite songs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, the thing, is, the thing is, like, the whole thing came together, you know, it was – you know, it was a little bit their idea, but then I kind of like really got into it, you know, and I had a great time doing it because I was I really, you know, I try to capture as much of a live feel as well, as much I can, but, you know, because well, I, I, I like it to be you know, so like natural sounding, you know. Yeah, well, you definitely did it, man. It's 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 definitely a cool record. I thought, I mean, you've done so many, you know, you've played with orchestras. Of course, you've done all these different diverse things. You've been in bands. You've done so many different things in your career. To do a record like this, I thought, was a really cool decision at this point. And uh, I'm really digging it. It's out on March 29th, Blue Lightning, the latest record from Ingve Malmsteen. Uh, and you got a tour that's uh, kicking off, as you mentioned, here in the U.S. soon. April 13th, it starts in Dayton, Ohio. It looks like you're going to be out for quite a while. And, I got man, I'll tell you, with all your records now, and now with this new record, I mean, I don't know how you're putting a set list together these days, Ingve. Uh, that's, that's, that's a really funny thing because I, I can't really do that either. So what I do is I tell the guys come into my room, like, you know, half an hour before the show, and we put together a set list. And I say, okay, have this printed out, put on a stage. And I go on stage, and I don't play this at the same way. I change the animal. <laughs> I never do the same. Because, and also, uh, a couple of years ago, I put out a live album, a live DVD, one from Orlando, one from Tampa. It was recorded 24 hours apart. And the reason I did that was because the two, you know, two nights that are back-to-back, but they're completely different shows. 
And I, I did that on purpose so people can see, like, if you come to see one of my shows in whatever here in the States, and then a couple of days later or the next day, you don't get the same show. So you, if, you, you, if anybody's interested, they can't come to more than one, you know. <laughs> right. Every moment. I, I, I don't like doing the same one. Uh, the website for people to find out a date coming near them was uh, com. And the other thing I wanted to mention, Ingve, is, you know, I was just talking to Nuno Betancourt. I know you got you just did the latest run of that Generation Axe tour. How was that for you, man, being out with all those guys again? That was awesome. Every time is, is a great time. We really kind of like, I think this time, this last tour, we sort of like got some ensemble stuff together even better than before, you know. We did the Bohemian Rhapsody with guitars, which was really, really cool. Um, and so, yeah, no, but that, that's a blast. That's, that's definitely, a, that's definitely um, it's a bit of a test of discipline, discipline as well for me, you know, because I have to be on exactly at one time and off another one time. You know, the sound check is, you know, normally I just do the sound check how long I want and I play as long as I want, whatever, you know, but uh, this, you have to be, it's it's a good thing though. It's, I, I always have a good time. Oh, good time doing it. It's great. Those guys yeah. are awesome. Love them. Yeah, they they said it's a lot of fun, and they said it's also a lot of fun on the bus rides too. All the debates and discussions that go on on the yeah. bus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I said that's Absolutely. the be- that might be the best show right there. I got to be a fly on the wall on that bus the, from ride to ride. All you guys together yeah, on one bus. <laughs> it is hilarious. It is funny. Well, Blue Lightning is the name of Ingve Malmsteen's latest album. Check it out. And he is currently on tour. And I thank him for joining me for a few minutes. Hope you enjoyed that interview. We'll come back with interview number two on this week's Eddie Trunk podcast as Carmine Apiece, the drum legend, swings by for a bit. That's next. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Sixty seconds. That's exactly how long this commercial takes. You know what else you can do in about a minute? You can get an offer for your car with True Car. That's right. In the amount of time it takes to floss your teeth, pet your dog, do a few sit-ups, or just listen to my voice, you can get a True Cash offer. Best of all, you can do it from your smartphone or home. Just go to True Car and simply enter your license plate number and watch how your car's details pop up. Answer a few questions and you'll get an accurate True Car or I should say true cash offer from a local true car certified dealer. It's that easy. Easier to do than it was to just say that. After that, you can bring your car in and they'll check it out with you together. You can ask questions and get the answers you need so there's no surprises. Then simply leave with your check or trade in your car for a new ride. So when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Back with more of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Thank you for listening. And next up, interview number two on this Double Dip Week, bringing you a conversation with Carmine Apice, the legendary drummer who's been doing it for more than 50 years. Carm is a regular on my shows. He always has great stories. He's written a book. He always has a ton of projects going on. And uh, one of the things I like about Carmine the most, not only is he a great drummer, but he's, you know, he's outspoken. He lets it fly. He speaks his heart about things. And I always appreciated that about him. So he swung by about a week ago. And here's how that conversation went with Carmine apiece. And I'm not sure if you'll catch this at the end, but... Andrew Stockdale of Wolfmother was the next guest in, and they do a brief crossover before I go completely to talking to Andrew. Like I said, maybe I'll podcast the Stockdale interview in the coming weeks from Wolfmother. But right now, Carmine Apiece on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Good to see you, buddy. Hey, good to see you. So what's going on, man? I was just saying before you came on the air, every time I see you, you got something else cooking. You always look great, by the way. Oh, thank you. And you're always uh, got something happening. You could, you're managing well, a band, putting a record out, putting a record out from one of your old old bands, putting a live thing out. You always got so much going on. I'm in the record business. You are. You're fully into it <laughs> Music now. Music business. Yeah. yeah. So what's what's the latest? Well, the latest is I've been pu- pushing my guitar use record that I did in the 90s, and I got some new tracks on there. And uh, we've been really, really pushing that hard. We got videos out, you know, lyric videos with Ingve and Doug Pinnock and uh, Bumblefoot. And there's 32 tracks on Spotify and 32 tracks on iTunes, which I understand is not going to be doing downloads anymore. 
Yeah, well, they're changing the whole way it works, apparently. Yeah, it's yeah. just they're, they're breaking out the different things. Ed knew more about this last week because we had some people They're calling. not getting rid of – you can still purchase music via Oh, you iTunes. could? Yeah. Okay, that's you, great. You can. Uh, I still do that, you know, myself. And, and you know, so we've been pushing that. And the guitars just thing, uh, peop, a lot of people that are hearing it are loving it. You know? Well, t- explain the history of that because you said the record originally came out in the 90s. So right. tell, talk about the history of, of what – Okay. What it was and what it is now. Okay. What it was was uh, um, released in 1995 and 1997 worldwide, everywhere but America. As you know, in those years, it was sort of like grunge. Yeah. Guys tough. like me and uh, Blue Murder and King Cobra and all that was like has-beens. So, uh, but this has sort of like a uh, Soundgarden, Blue Murder meets the Beatles kind of vibe. And... I came up with the idea to do it as a solo record, bringing friends of mine to play lead guitar. So I brought in like Brian May, Ted Nugent, Ingve, Slash. Huge names. Huge names. Richie yeah. Sambora, uh, um, Steve Morse. I can't remember them half the time. Dweezil Zappa, Neil, Neil Sean. And when we did it in the mid-90s, nobody was working. You know, everybody was like out of band. Slash wasn't in Guns N' Roses. Dweezil Zappa was just Frank's son. And and now everybody's like doing fairly good. Right. So I wanted to release it as a catalog item in America. So it never got released here properly. And my friend from uh, Primary Wave, Robert DePold, he said, sure. you should keep the digital rights because... Uh, Eventually, the downloads are going to go away, and that the digital rights are going to be worth more than anything. Because you're talking streaming. Streaming, right? Yeah. So, I said, okay. So, I found one track that was never ever released, and another track that was never released anywhere but in Japan. Uh, so that cha- the Japanese one was uh, John Norum from Europe, a track called "Nothing" from the band Europe. The band Europe, right? And then. Um, this track I found called Mother Space had twenty a twenty four track tape. I bounced it to Pro Tools. And I found out it had everything on it except a lead guitar. So I asked my my buddy Bumblefoot if he'd play on it, and he did, and he did a great job. And so that became the lead video lyric video, mm-hmm. and uh, so we had that. We had uh, and I had done a Katazu's Japan. And the guitars is Korea, which is Japanese and and Korean artists, and so I had one of each of those on tracks that were never released here either. Well, you did a full record of Guitar Zeus in those con- for yes. those countries. Yes, you know enough musicians there to make I a did. record with them. I did in the nineties. I spent a lot of time in the nineties there because me and Tony Franklin were in a band called Pearl, which is half Japanese and half American and English. Well, I didn't so, know that. So we used to go to Japan all through the nineties and. We'd stay there for two or three months at a time. Really? Yeah. We we knew all the guys like the Bees and all these big groups that were there. And I got them all to play on. I didn't get tack from the Bees, but I got all these other big Japanese guys. And it did well over there. The Japanese version did well. Hit the charts. and Now, the well. music on these records, this is covers or of no, other things? It's all, all original, original music. Stuff. So only, did you write the music? Yep. Yeah, me and Kelly Keeling. Kelly Keeling was in Blue Murder on the second album. Right. Sang that one track. Yeah. yeah. And I... And what a track he sang. Yeah. yeah on Fire. Track. On yeah. Fire. It's incredible. So we, we went to Japan when John Sykes was going to Japan with his version of Blue Murder. When the second album came out, it was big in Japan. It had me and Tony on most of it. So we went to Japan as a super session. And I had done that in the 80s, so this was volume two. And it was Kelly, me, Tony, and Mitch Perry. Okay? So that's when I got to meet Kelly. And he started showing me his songs. And uh, that's when I was coming up with the uh, guitars thing. So I said, Kelly, you want to put together this album with me? And he said, yeah. So I got Tony to play on it So because I loved Tony's bass playing in Blue Murder. I love playing with Tony. So that's why it came together like that, you know? So we got Kelly on it. And, and the plan was to get Brian May first, Ted Nugent second, and the guys from King's X. Because I thought everybody loved Brian May. Mm-hmm. All the guitar players loved Brian. Still do, yeah. Everyone Brian loved Ted Nugent back mm-hmm. in the day. And, and everyone loved King's X. So if I can get those guys on first, so while I was looking for the record deal, I 
I contacted these guys just by chance. I ran into Ted somewhere. I ran into Brian somewhere. He said, hey, if I do this record, would you play on it? I said, yeah. So once I got the deal, I had Brian and Ted and King's X on there first. And by King's X, you had Ty? I got Ty and I got Doug. Oh, both played. Okay. Yeah, so Doug sings on the track. Now, when I did, Ingve heard about it and he wanted to be on it, right? So he wanted to be on the track with Doug singing. So I, I hooked that up. And then when I talked to Mick Mars about doing it, I had Edgar Winter singing the track. He said, I want to be on the track with Edgar Winter. Right. These guys want to play with the guys. They... So I hooked up right. Edgar Winter. So those are the only two lead vocalists on the whole record. Kelly Keeling sings all the rest. Does an amazing job. The songs are great. They're really as good as the Blue Murder songs, I consider. You know. So this thing came out 20 years ago, but not in America. Not in America. And, and you basically did a revamped version of it that is now in America. Right. Now, is there a physical release of it? Yes, or? I did a physical release on my Rocker Records. Mm-hmm. Uh, not all of them. I took 12 of the best tracks for the CD, and we have uh, a single vinyl with eight tracks. Okay, and is that out now? That's out now. You can get it out on Merch Now. Dot com. You can get it on Amazon. Uh, all, all the most of the uh, platforms where you buy physical. Right, right. But and if people want to hear it as a streaming, it's on all the streaming it's services. On all the streaming services. That's interesting, man. That that never came out here. I mean, you got some major players yeah, on there, some I, major, major names, and then of course why. you're playing all the drums. I'm yeah, assuming I'm playing all the drums. Some of the best drumming, drum sounds, with me and Tony, and, and, and just progressive, really cool. Progressive music. It's not like you know, running the mill kind of rock tracks. They're very progressive. Now, let me ask you this: You're saying that this stuff was recorded around '95, right? Mm-hmm. So, take. I'm trying to remember my timeline here because it's pretty. My timelines are always awful. But <laughs> to make a record like what you're talking about now with all these different musicians would be very easy because people can just email tracks now, to yes. each other now. You can be anywhere in the world and put a record together. I just got the tracks in, whatever. I, correct me if I'm wrong, but in 95, you weren't able to do that yet, no. were you? No. So what? So were these okay. people actually all in the same no. place ever? No. How so did you do it? What we had to do was to Brian May, I actually sent him a copy of the Master 24 track. Steve Morse. Same thing. Um, Ted Nugent, Ingve, and the guys from King's X. I physically carried on a plane the 24 track and went into the studio with them. Mm. Recorded them. That was like a slave, we called it. Yeah. And brought it back, and then we bounced from 124 to the other 24. All right. Brian, so it was all pre digital. Yes. And, and then we started using ADATs, which were. VH1, uh, v, no, VH1, VH, VHS. Uh, VHS size tapes. Right. And and I sent that like to Paul Gilbert and maybe one or two other guys and had ADATs in the house. But most of the guys, the rest of the guys that I didn't send the 24 track to, I'll go get them physically, all did it in L.A., like Mick Mars, Elliot Easton, Bob Daisley, he's the only other bass player. Um, Neil Sean slash uh, a few of the other guys. I even did, I have uh, Steven Seagal and John McEnroe playing on the album. Really? They done, they were done in the studio in L.A. That was guitars used too. You know, like Richie Sambora in the studio. Um, so a few of those guys for guitars used too, I had sent out stuff. But the funny thing is when we were doing guitars used Japan, I was recording you know, the album, the tracks, and I was going to Japan to get all the guitar players. So the engineer, who's now the bass player in Yes, uh, Billy, Billy Sherwood, Billy Sherwood's yeah. in the studio, uh, he, he looked at me and said, well, here's the 24 tracks you'd have to take. There were three big 24 tracks that are heavy. He said, or you can have this ADAT and put it in your pocket. I said, you know what? I'll take the ADAT. <laughs> So I took the ADAT with the master mixes on there and took it to Japan and did it like that. Wow, amazing. Do you miss the – I mean, you're a guy. You've been in the business decades, started in the 60s. I mean, it's just you, – you've, you've done you've done every version of recording you could do, yes. every possible way you've made records or recorded. Do you miss the old days of recording? Do you miss the way it was going into the big studios? I still do it. 
You do. I still do analog. You still do you still go and book a studio and go into a big live room? Well, it don't have to be that big anymore. There's the studios around like one in New Jersey called uh, TKL, which has a nice size room. They have analog. You know, there's another one that we record all the cactus stuff. Uh, Randy Electric Randy Land, we call it, and. Uh, they have a really good Pro Tool setup, but I send it to my guy in who mixed all his new Katazus and the Peace Brothers and my Kodiak band that, that just came out. I sent you a, a track. I don't know if you got it on your Oh, I haven't had a chance email, to look at my email, phone. I've been email. going nonstop here. but yeah. um, So he has a big Neve board, and he's got 24-track machines. So anything we mix now goes through, even if we record it, on digital, we bounce it right into each track, into the 24-track, and then bounce it back, and it gives it that that analog sound. Mm, interesting. But do you, do you um, of all the studio, you, you've worked in every studio imaginable, I would think, yeah. around the world. You had, did you have a favorite? I, I did have a favorite. I, I really like Cherokee in L.A. In L.A.? Yeah, because it had a big trident board. We did all the Rod Stewart stuff there with Andy Johns. You know, and we, me and Andy created a really cool drum sound in that yeah. place, and which I still use today, the miking techniques that he showed me. Yeah. Andy died, what was it, two, three years yeah, ago, maybe something yeah. like that, right? Yeah, that was weird from alcohol, basically alcohol. Yeah. Was, yeah. I didn't know him well, but I mean, for people that really don't, well. for people that don't know, he was, uh, he was one of the legends in terms of producing and engineering. Engineering. And Amazing. Did so much, did work, did Zeppelin records yep, as, as an did engineer, everybody. did everything. Did all the Rod records that I worked on. He did. He did. Yeah. yeah. All the, uh, Hot Legs and, uh, Passion and. Uh, sexy and all that stuff. I re-recorded the thing I'm sexy with Pat Travers on Guitar Zeus. It's a heavy version. It's really, really cool. Very cool. Uh, everybody should definitely check that you out. Check it out. So, what do you, um, what do you have going on now? Because there's so many things I can talk to you about, but we only have we have another guest coming up in the next hour, so we only have so much time. But. Right. Oh, you, you always have, as I was saying, as I was saying before you came in. If I ran down all your credits, it would take up the whole interview because right, you've done right, so many different right. things and played with so many different people. Right. What's going on with you now? Who are you playing with well, now? now? What's the focus? We're doing Vanilla Fudge okay. gigs in the summer with a, a Legends of Rock tour it starts in August. I'm doing two gigs with my brother next week, next month, and this this week, uh, this month, uh, Vanilla Fudge at the Bolton Center on the 29th, but I'm really focused on helping uh, my, my group I'm co-managing and, and producing, Kodiak. Mm-hmm. You introduced them at the uh, Rock, uh, what is it called, the Heavy Metal Hall of Fame? Oh, the in L.A., in NAMM yeah, this in year, LA. yeah. yeah. So they just released a new single, which I emailed you. I, I think you should check it out. Okay. If you like it. They're like, uh, like a new Van Halen kind of group. They're, they're really young Guitar player just turned seventeen, and he's awesome. He's that good. He's he's pretty damn good. Yeah, he's pretty damn good, and uh, so we're promoting that. And I'm getting into speaking, doing history of rock kind of speaking gigs. Oh, nice. Yeah, and me, me and Vinny are doing that too. We're doing like our history of rock together. Like in Tucson, we're doing a, a rock history gig where. The moderators are going to ask us questions about our career like we're doing now. And then we're going to do a Q&A with the audience and then play a couple of songs. Oh, all right. Nice. You know, Have you done those yet? We did one at NAMM and it went really great. Mm-hmm. You know, So now we decided we're going to do some of those. I have a speaking gig up uh, uh, coming up in uh, Lake George, I think, near Lake George, New York. Okay. And another one in uh, in Connecticut in November. History of Rock, where Leslie, my girlfriend, is the moderator, and we talk about, you know, my beginning of the career with Vanilla Fudge and what we listened to, what influenced us, what was going on in rock history then, like Hendrix, and and then we move on to, you know, Led Zeppelin, how we took him on tour, and st- all the stories that go along with it, the Beatles and how that influenced Vanilla Fudge, stories about the Beatles, and it goes on, you know, and on and on. Then we do Q&A, and then I play a little drums. Is there any other... where? You're doing these mostly in clubs, I would imagine, right? Or theaters? No, one, or? one is a club and one is the theater. So and far. is there live music before or after you, like other bands too? Do the no, promoters do no, that? No. Well, that's good because no. one of the, I do those too. You do? Yeah, I've done them for a few years here and there, on and off, when, mm-hmm. I, have the, when I have the time and the opportunity. Right. 
And I just, I haven't done them in a couple years, but I just, I got three of them coming up. I'm doing uh, Wisconsin, New Jersey, and I think Where are you doing Massachusetts. Clubs. They're rock Club. clubs mainly. Yeah. I've done them and, before. And you just talk about the music. I just talk. I do what we I do. We should do it together. Yeah. Well, what I do is I just, uh, well, you, see, it's different because you're coming from a perspective where you actually did lived this it. stuff. I you lived, lived it. it. You yeah. were in all these okay. bands. I'm coming at it from the perspective of being the guy that delivered Listen. it or talked to him or listened right. to it and or my, tell the stories about dealing with and these my guys. my history goes further back. Way back, yeah. 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 And yeah. I'm talking about Jimi Hendrix and the Beatles, Revolver, right. and right. meeting them. And like when our first album came out, George Harrison used to carry the Vanilla Fudge album around to parties. You know, it's amazing. Because he loved it. You know? It's amazing. It's just uh, so we go back to all that stuff, and then I do Q and A as well. Yeah, and then I end by doing stump the trunk, like I did on the TV show, right, where cool. people ask me the questions and I give them the prizes. But the That's reason good. I ask you about the bands yeah. is because the, a lot of times the promoters, you know, you know how the promoters are. They want to put on yeah. two, three local bands opening, and then bands after you. And then by the time no, you, you get out there you and you talk that. to the audience, they just got pounded by yeah. three bands. I tell you what, I do, and they're do. drained. What I do do to, to work gigs with my uh, Kodiak band, like I'm doing one uh, in in Connecticut. It's a it's a club called uh, Trilogy. I did a master class there, and that's how I found them. And and I did it at the cutting room when we did a uh, like a promo. I go on for a half hour and talk about how I put the Guitar Zeus album together. Mm-hmm. And we play the Guitar Zeus album before. I talk about that Q and A, and then I bring them on. And Kodiak goes up and plays like 30, 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a nice little package. Yeah, 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 for sure. Hey, we got to take a break. We'll come back. We'll have some more time with Carmine after the break. If you want to jump, like, look, we could go forever with Carmine's career, whether it be Rod Stewart, whether it be Ozzy, whether it be Nugent, whether it be Blue Murder, whether it be Vanilla Fudge. I mean, Cactus, it goes on and on and on. A couple other things I want to hit him with. The Guitar Zeus record, which is what he's promoting this time around, is available on all the streaming services and physical CD and, and vinyl as well, Amazon or wherever you buy your physical these days. This This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Hey, be sure to check out the GG Podcast with Rick Fox, Jace Hall, and Todd Roy on Podcast One. Log on to see the world behind the eSports you love and find out what good game really means from a trio who's taken the business by storm, including the three-time NBA champion behind Team Echo Fox. Download new episodes of the GG Podcast every week on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. It was a crime no one expected and one many can't forget. 22 Hours, an American Nightmare. A new podcast from WTOP News and Podcast One details the heinous murders of a D.C. power couple, their 10-year-old son, and housekeeper inside their own home. The chilling messages from the victims being held hostage. Hey, Nelly, it's Baba. The complicated trail of evidence and shocking moments from the trial. She thinks she knows how Darren Wink got inside the house. His defense team drops a bombshell. Will this investigation lead to the release of confidential audio recordings from the case? So it's under general counsel review. I mean, I'm committing to making a transparent court. 22 Hours, an American Nightmare. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts today. This This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. So, Carm. Yeah. Back to Carmine with the time that we have. Yeah. A couple things I want to ask you about. You were attached to this Vinnie Vincent show that oh, didn't no. happen. Last no. time you were on my show, you were talking about doing that. It was going to happen. but then Get up on that mic so we can hear you. It never, it never happened. What was going on there? What was your dialogue with him? What, what's your well, history? What, what went on there? Well, tell me what all, you can tell us. First of all, it wasn't the promoter's fault. As Vinny said, it was a promoter's fault. It was canceled. It wasn't a promoter's fault. The promoter did everything possible to get this thing to happen, even paid him some money. You know, to do the show, and while it was moving along, we, you know, that the Robert Fleischman didn't want to do it, and Vinny wanted Robert to do it, and he, he wouldn't do it for whatever reason. I gave him some singers, and the last thing I gave him was a guy that sings with uh, drum wars with me and Vinny, who can sing that stuff really well. Gave it to him. We made some demos of his songs, sent it to Vinny. Vinny okayed it, and then when the PR started coming out, Vinny changed his whole mind, and. And me talking to Vinny, 
he said that uh, I said look we're still waiting for like some set lists and stuff and he never sent any set lists so the promoter sent us songs that the promoter thought we should do and Vinny said he didn't want to do any of those songs he just wants to do a jam without a singer and, and said, without songs without songs without a singer I said dude I don't want to do that I said you know um, what do you mean like playing the song without a singer he said no I'll just start a riff and you and Tony just follow me. I said, I don't want to do that. I said, I, you know, I don't want to play in front of an audience that's expecting to hear songs. Right. You know, and just go out and jam for an hour and a half. I mean, it's gonna, it's either going to be good or it's going to suck. Right. You know? So then I never heard, we never heard anything, never heard. And the next thing we know, he canceled the show. You know? But he also canceled the show in December, which was an amazing comeback venue at, at Graceland. It was on a theater in Graceland. What a great venue to come back at. He canceled that. He canceled this. And then... Uh, now, you the- were supposed to do the thing that... What was he calling it? Speedball Jam? No, was that the Because no. he canceled that, too. We weren't supposed to do that. That was... The, so you were attached to a different thing. The one in February, the 8th and 9th of February in Nashville. We were supposed to do that. Me, Tony Franklin. And we got the singer, Jim Crean, to play, to sing. And he got it... Uh, um, uh, MP3 of Jim singing a couple of his songs, and he told the promoter, okay. So when we put together the flyer, then he went crazy and just said, I don't like this guy. I hate this guy. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do that. But in, before that even, when we were looking for singers, I was trying to get a set list out of him, and he wouldn't deliver a set list to us. And he said things you know, like crazy. Like, I'm the greatest guitarist in the world. And I go, oh, boy. You know, wow, crazy stuff. You know, I know Vinny since 1979. He was in my band called Carmine and the Rockers, which I have eight songs that he recorded with me. But we, he screwed up that whole deal back then, business-wise also, by changing his mind. What we had a deal was, you know, with, with uh, splitting everything. And then he reneged on the deal. deal. When, when he joined KISS, they called me and asked me about him, and I said, well, you know, I told them what happened. And they went with him anyway, and he did the same thing to them, from what I hear. And now he did his comeback, and this promoter is the guy that brought him on the comeback on that thing he did last year. Yeah, I know Derek, back. yeah, yeah. Derek, and yeah. Derek's a nice guy. Yeah, you know, I agree. He's a good guy. I never, I don't have he's problem. been very ill now, Derek. He's very sick right now. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and, and uh, he was supposed to, he made a deal with Vinny to, to work out the finances, and he was supposed to go to Nashville, and he couldn't get there because he's been ill. And he's a great, great guy. Yeah, I agree. Funny enough, Derek is a speaker agent. Did oh, you know okay. That? No, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, and and he was going to book my speaking gigs, but he's been so ill wow. you know, that uh, he hasn't been able to take care of anything. And then that's why when Vinny did the last press release and, and, and blamed it on Derek, I got really mad. I said, it wasn't Derek's fault. You know, he's been the nice guy. He put out, he gave everybody money for the gig. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He was the guy, for people that don't know, he was the guy who did the first event that Vinny came back for the first time in yeah. 20 years, the thing in Atlanta. Yeah. And, and, uh, has, you know, been on and off with Vinny and seems to yeah. have been burnt a couple times, keeps going back to that well, which. Yeah. So he's not done with doing anything with Vinny anymore. And, and, you know, he's been ill, as I said. And then Vinny said he's doing the speedball thing. You know, and then that got canceled. I said, come on. You just canceled two shows. Is somebody going to pay $300 to go see you? And if you want to sign a guitar, $500? I mean... Which explains why he went on uh, on Mitch LaFon's podcast trying to sell the thing when it only held like 30 people or, yeah, fit, or 100 yeah. people the room. 30 and he was 60 on, people. 60 people, and he was pushing to sell it. And I was like, something – I didn't know what the price point was, but I'm like, something's off on the yeah, money if you're working on a podcast to sell yeah. a 60-cap room. Yeah. That, and then, of course, in that interview, which I listened to, the, he was so defensive of anybody even insinuating that he would cancel a show that show yeah, i know and then he canceled then the he show. canceled the show i mean they're both you know oh there's no way it's going to get canceled no, and they're like well the history is there it's not that crazy to, to yeah. wonder that and he yeah. went crazy for people even thinking I he know. could cancel it and then literally and, and the minute i stopped it. listening to it came out he canceled it I mean, what do you think's going on with him man what yeah. do you think is the deal i, I don't know what is not i don't i don't understand. i don't know the guy beyond Look, having guy done that interview with him in atlanta the guy disappeared for 30 years i get it his wife was murdered you know his uh 
he moved to Nashville. Uh, when I was playing with the Rascals last year, Felix was a good friend of his and uh, from the Rascals, and now he doesn't even want to hear about him. You know? I mean, I don't think anybody would deny he's a talented guy, but there's obviously something Dude. going on there, and he's been under the radar. Was You know, I have this theory, too, that when people are – here's what's interesting about you. You you have weathered the ups and downs of this industry for decades, right? You just yeah. talked about when Guitar Zeus came out, it was yeah. a bad time for guitar-based rock. Right. But you here you are, think about it, here you are in the middle of it being a bad time, and you're still putting this record together, right? Right. right. So you never went away. Car, you, no. you, Carmine Apiece, were always playing with people, you were always out there, you're always creating, you're always doing something. Yes. So you've always had That's your, what I do. Right. You've always yeah. had been involved in the business. But I think that my theory is when guys go away and drop out of the business for 10, 15, 20, 30 years, whatever it is, and they check out, and then all of a sudden, whatever happens, royalties dry up. We all know they're not like what they used to oh, be. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you stick your head back up, and you're like, I got to get back in the business. And then you see what it is today and what you need to do to survive in it, and you're like in shock, and yeah. you don't know what to do, and you you don't you don't have proper management, and then you don't know how to handle it. Next thing you do, either you go underground again or you do stuff, and it comes off really bad. And Vinny's situation was perfect, you know, because the Kiss tour, you know, the end, end, the end of the world Kiss tour, whatever they called it, <laughs> the latest end of the end <laughs> yeah. of the end, yeah, yeah, the end Kiss tour. I mean, yeah, lots of promo promotion from that, and you know, Vinny being in that, and you know, Vinny when he played in Kiss and he played my band, he was a, just a monster player. Yeah, no one could argue the talent. Player. No, even Great Kiss songwriter, even Kiss who has had nothing but lawsuits with them, still has said we never take the talent away as a writer no. and player. No, no one's ever taken that away Me from too. him. But there is something going on there uh, that he just can't get and centered and can't get it I, together. At one point, he said to me, you know. Once we do these gigs, we, you know, we have it. We, we can have this going for the next couple of years at least, you know. I said, yeah. I said, that's what I'm thinking, Vin. You know, it would be good, you know. Me, you, and Tony Franklin would be a great package. Yeah. You know, and uh, and then he just flipped out. And Sykes is another guy, though, because I saw you talking to Sykes at NAMM. Yep. Sykes has a record deal, but John, but the record still hasn't come out. No. And and I don't know what he, you know. I I love John. You know that, and everyone would love to see him do I, something. I don't but but I don't know now. He even has a record deal, and like a year ago, that label talked to me about him coming on and doing an interview to announce it. Right. And I talked to John at Nam. I, mean, I love John personally, yeah, but yeah. the the I don't know. There's a disconnect. Me too. I, I asked Tony. Tony's going out with uh, Jason Bonham on the. Uh, Peter Frampton final tour. Oh, okay. He's playing in the garden here and stuff. Right, and right. Tony's going out for a month because Jason's bass player had something happy he couldn't make it for a month, so Tony's going out with him. So I said to Tony, I thought John's record was coming out like in the summertime, before the summer. He said, well, I don't know. You know yeah. Says, uh, they, they're still talking about touring with as John, but I don't know when. Yeah, I don't know. You know? It's I, That's I, a shame. I, There's another one. He's so talented that but God. that's my theory and that's what both of those guys share is they've been on the sideline yeah. for a long, long time, time and you never sat on the sideline so you're in the changes and the flows of yeah. the music industry you know what goes on i know that the royalties are down you know my royalties with do you think i'm sexy and young turks were huge you know me and me and john used to talk about you know all his royalties and my royalties well, my thanks to Carmine Apiece. Check out Guitar Zeus, which is the new album from Carmine. And uh, it's actually not a completely new record. It's been out for a bit, but Carmine has reissued it and added some stuff to it. He's always got something he's working. Uh, great talking to him and having him come by. Thanks to Ingve Malmstein, who joined me earlier in the Eddie Trunk podcast as well. Remember, we have new episodes every Thursday. Spread the word. Thank you for listening, however you do it. Thanks to Katie Irizarry. She is the producer of the Eddie Trunk podcast. Don't forget this Tuesday, come by the rainbow if you're in L.A. I'll be there broadcasting live on Sirius XM from 6 to 8 p.m. Pacific time. It's totally free to get in. And be sure to listen to Trunk Nation live daily, Monday through Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time, with replay plays every night 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern 
and also available on the SiriusXM app on demand. Don't forget all those appearances I have coming up. They're all listed on the homepage of eddytrunk.com. You guys have yourselves a great week, and I'll see you next Thursday for another all-new episode. Than ever. And I've been kicking his ass, kicked out of the pile driver. <laughs> you, it's time to go home. With new exciting episodes featuring tales from his new life, unbelievable past interviews, and talks to pro wrestling pals. You name it, Steve's on it. You're a hell of a damn wrestler. Download new episodes of the Steve Austin Show every week on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music field trip to America's jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com.